Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. For all things Nature Reliance School and Nature Reliance Media, go to naturereliance.org. There you can check our schedule for classes, including in-person and online Zoom. You can check our gear, books, blogs, and other podcasts. Again, naturereliance.org. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. I'll be your host today, Craig Cottle. Thanks for all your patience and Tracy and myself working out details on sound. I think we have a good setup now, or at least I hope as you're listening to me right now, you can tell a difference. We've been working diligently and asking a lot of friends. Remember, we're outside dudes. We do stuff in the woods, so... This podcasting stuff has been a fantastic vehicle for sharing information, but the technical side of it, well, a lot of it's just rather new to us, so thank you for patience. Appreciate you listening in. Today, what I wanted to do was cover a topic that I get a lot of questions on, and it's what I would consider essential gear. Before I get into that essential gear, what I wanted to do is share with you our vital survival course that you can find on Outdoor Core. That'll be our sponsor for today's podcast. In that course, we have several different lessons, 12 of them actually, and each one of them have a around a 15-minute video as well as a downloadable booklet that has several points on each one of those lessons. Today, I am pulling information out of just one of those lessons. It'll give you some insight into how vast and informational this course is. So yeah, obviously, we'd love for you to jump into it, check it out, and we appreciate you doing that. But today, what we're going to be talking about is essential gear. I get asked all the time, what's in your kit? What's in that kit? And I'm always hesitant to tell people what's in my kit simply because my kit works for me, but that does not mean it's going to work for you. However, if I were to sit down and put together what I would consider essential gear pieces, that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Some of these are going to be general in the way I describe them, because quite frankly, you need to find what works for you. Others are going to be very direct and, hey, you need to get this piece of equipment because quite frankly, after spending 
you know, nearly a decade teaching people about outdoor topics and survival and disaster readiness and emergency preparedness and all the things that go along with it. Number one, I've seen a lot of gear. I've seen a lot of gear work very well, and I've seen a lot of gear break and not very not work very well at all. And I want to share that with you today. So let's get into it. I've got 10 pieces of equipment here that I want to go through that, again, I consider are the top 10 pieces of gear that I think everybody should carry. Number one, I think you should have some sort of navigation equipment. Before you go on any trip outside, you obviously should tell somebody, hey, this is where I'm going. This is when you can expect me home, and this is who I'm going with. That's some vital information as far as navigation is concerned if somebody needs to find you because, hey, you get lost or you get injured or something of that nature. Those little bits of information are absolutely critical. Number two on this, basically number one, there's three points here to just navigation by itself. I think you should carry a map that includes a topo map of the area that you go into. I'm a big fan of having... Uh, Daylor May's Gazetteer in my vehicles at all times. It's basically a large atlas, if you will, topography maps of the areas that I live in. So obviously I have a Gazetteer of Kentucky because I'm here in Kentucky. But if I'm going to be traveling to other states, which I do often, I have several other books to states that I travel to regularly and teach classes in. That way I've always got a topography map of the different areas that I may very well want to be located in. And number three, I'm a big fan of Gaia GPS. Now, if you'll look in the show notes for this particular podcast, we'll have a link for you so you can find, and I'll have links for every piece of equipment that I mention here, as a matter of fact, but we've got a discount for Gaia GPS. It's an app for your phone. It's an incredibly useful tool for GPS location, and it's just as accurate as any standalone GPS unit that you could possibly carry. The... Technology on GPS devices inside of phones has rapidly advanced even in the last five, six years. Therefore, you can get an incredibly accurate device that goes with you in your hand, handheld phone, cell phone, what have you. The thing that everybody needs to be aware of, listen to me closely on this, you do not, I repeat, you do not have to have cell coverage to be able to utilize the GPS device in your phone. For example, Google Maps even if you don't have cell covers, we'll be able to track your location. Now, it might not download the map, which does require data. So if you download the maps for the particular apps like Gaia GPS of the areas that you're going to be in, then you'll have the maps and you'll be able to locate yourself on the map itself. So that's number one, some sort of navigation equipment. Number two, I'm a huge fan of a light. Not that you need it to stay alive, but a light is so advantageous for you in any low light or no light situation. So at the very least, carry a micro light on your keychain. We almost always carry our keychains with us no matter where we go. So having a light on your keychain means, hey, I've got a flashlight with me. Now, I'm a big fan of carrying a flashlight anyway. So I carry a PowerTac. Again, I'll have a list or a link for you in the description because you can get a discount through us on PowerTac lights. I'm a big fan of carrying a high-quality tactical flashlight. Not tactical to be tactical, but just because they're typically a little bit more hardy than your typical flashlight. So names like PowerTac, Streamlight, Surefire, these are flashlights that you can get high-quality flashlights on, and they're designed to take a lot of abuse. There's been a, a large 
effort to push Olight through the survival community in the last year or two, probably three years even. I've had them send me a lot of free flashlights, and I'm just telling you, I have not been pleased with my Olights at all. I'm not hammering them as a company as much as I'm just giving you my experience. Now, if they've improved their quality, I would go with it. But right now, I, can't, I just simply cannot recommend Olights. Last, as far as lights are concerned, I'm a big fan of headlamps just because it makes everything that you're going to do in the outdoors so much easier. You can put a headlamp on, you have your hands free, and you have the ability to do whatever you need to do right in front of you can see. A headlamp is going to be an incredibly useful piece of equipment for you. Number three is just what I've listed as protection. You need to have clothing that is going to protect you from whatever ailments you might be getting into. That includes rain, that includes the heat, the sun. Have the things available to you that you can get out of the weather, no matter what weather you might find yourself in. And make a habit when you're going to go outdoors of checking the weather. That's why one of the reasons I love apps on our phones is because it's just right now. I just pull it up and look at the weather and it's really easy. Number four on my list of essential gear is fundamental first aid items. Now, if you go back and listen, We have another podcast that details fundamental first aid items. I call it the IFAC podcast. And there's going to be an in-depth look and consideration on individual first aid items for an individual first aid kit. That's what IFAC stands for. So check that out in that other podcast because I list 22 items and have links for all of them there as well. So that would be a good podcast to listen. Number five is a knife. In my opinion, a knife is one of the most indispensable tools that you can carry. Get one. Take good care of it. You know, a multi-tool is a very useful piece of equipment. You can do all kinds of stuff on a daily basis, everything from working on vehicles to computers to working in the woods. It probably doesn't do all of those things exceptionally well, but it can do all of those things, such like a fixed blade knife, for example, cannot do all of those things very well. It doesn't work on a computer very well, right? But if you're going to be in a wilderness area having a fixed blade knife, I'm a big fan of a full tang fixed blade knife, is going to be essential. You don't want to be utilizing just a folding knife for most of your work needs. Now, again, this should be taken in context of the area that you live in. I see videos and comments and stuff all the time about different instructors who have done stuff in the northern Boreal Forest where the wood is incredibly soft. Something like a Mora, that's a good knife. I'm not saying anything wrong with a Mora, but if you use the typical Mora Companion, for example, or even the Mora Folders for most of your work in mixed hardwood forest of Kentucky, for example, you're going you're gonna to be sharpening the knife a lot for one, and you're going to be disappointed at some point in time because that wood is incredibly hard. Have a lot of skill such that you can use the knife properly, and you can get a fixed blade full tang knife and be set. Now, for regular bushcrafting or survival or camping or just woodsmanship, a large cutting tool like an axe is going to be a useful item for you as well. But as far as what I consider essential, a knife has to be part of your kit. And if you're going to spend much time in a rural setting, then an axe is going to be part of your essential kit as well. Number six is fire building supplies. One thing that you should carry in your pocket as fire building spies is a lighter just because it's so useful. And the backup to a lighter is another lighter in your pack, in your bug out supplies, in your truck supplies or vehicle supplies, whatever it might be. 
because it's so easy to utilize. It's what I call the trifecta of survival. It's very inexpensive, doesn't take up much weight, and doesn't take up much space in your kit. Therefore, a backup is a fantastic backup for a lighter. Another lighter is another is a great backup for a lighter. To back up that, I'm a big fan of ferro serum rods just because they work when they're wet, they work when it's cold, but you do have to practice with them to be able to utilize them properly. You should also carry some sort of fire starting tender, such as Fast Fire. That's what I'm the biggest fan of is Fast Fire. I've done a comparison test on Fast Fire and Wet Fire and several different other things, and quite frankly, Fast Fire continues to be the best. And it continues to work when it's supposed to work, and it works exceptionally well. Next on the list, number seven, is shelter. Now, the first form of shelter is your clothes protection, right? But uh, I just think you should carry something with you to utilize for a shelter for you and for others that might be with you. So, yeah, your clothes are number one. Cotton kills, we need to know this. Uh, Everybody seems to know that as far as the survival community is concerned, but if you're not used to considering it, cotton holds moisture, and because of that, it is a terrible choice in wintertime environment to maintain heat. So I'm a big fan of wearing poly-based clothing in the winter, polyester, polypropylene, stuff of that nature. You don't have to buy the big, fancy, expensive types of these, although they work really well. Under Armour works really well, but you can find alternatives for that type of clothing. Just be looking for polyester. You know, another clothing material that has been working really well for me is bamboo, making clothing out of bamboo. And it it wicks moisture away from you. It doesn't hold bacteria very well. And because polyester is one of the things that I don't like about it is it holds a lot of moisture. Or I mean, when it removes the moisture, it then holds bacteria and it smells bad rather quickly. Bamboo doesn't do that. And so it's a little expensive, though, to get bamboo. A company sent me a shirt to try it out, and I loved it. I, I just It's just not one of those things that fits my budget, but if it does fit yours, check it out. I'm a big fan of a light, windproof, waterproof jacket of some sort. Frog Togs is a great example. I keep a Frog Togs jacket in my vehicle at all times simply because, hey, it's a really good rain-proof jacket. It also keeps the wind off of you, and it can breathe somewhat. It doesn't matter what kind of rain jacket you're going to get. You're going to wet out at some point in time. If it's complete rubber, the rain won't get you, but if it's complete rubber, you'll just... It doesn't matter. You're going to sweat so bad. You're going to have. You're going. To, everything's going to be soaked. But a good lightweight windproof jacket is a, a really useful tool. I am a huge fan and advocate of carrying a 55 gallon drum garbage bag no matter where you go. I've got a box of them that I keep in my truck for classes and for my own use, just because they're so easy and they have so many different things that you can do with it. Shelter, water purification, keeping you wet from the ground or keeping you dry from wet ground, filling it full of leaves and using it as a mattress. So just a few things that come to mind rather quickly. But a 55-gallon drum garbage bag is incredibly useful. And if you need immediate shelter in a wilderness, just have some skills on building shelters from natural materials. Most people call these things debris huts. The key to building any sort of shelter out of natural materials is that you must insulate yourself from the ground. So you can build a debris hut such that it's bomb-proof, but if you do not insulate yourself from the ground, you're, you're in essence, wasting your time building that thing. 
So make sure you put enough leaves down or pine boughs or whatever it is that you can fill up a debris shelter or whatever lean-to shelter so that you have a barrier between you and the ground that you can use as insulation. Next on the list is food supplies. Food supplies are something that you must consider calorie-dense foods such as nutritional bars and stuff of that nature because they don't take up much space and they have a lot of nutrition in them. Obviously, some of them are no different than candy bars, you know. There was a study done a few years ago where it showed that Snicker bars are just about as good a, of a uh, outdoors bar as some of the more outdoorsy granola-type bars, if you will, as far as nutrition is concerned. So make sure you understand a little bit or in-depth study on nutrition and the things that you need for your body because you're different than me. This is one of those things I've got to talk in a very general sense. I can't talk specifics. But as far as having an emergency food supply, I don't think you can beat something like Daytrex meals. Daytrex meals are the meals that are uh, their little bars. Actually, if you've ever eaten a pecan sandy cookie, I personally think they sort of taste like that. So either that is something that you think, wow, that's cool. I'll check them out. But they're really nutrient dense and they take up very little space. They're primarily made back in the day to put on lifeboats. And so if a lifeboat gets deployed, you've got food that's on there. However, they've been made available. You can buy them at big box stores, but just look up Daytrex Meals. That's the brand name. Really good. Protein sources will help you keep you from wasting away in a long-term survival situation. And if you eat just a little bit of protein right before you go to bed, it also helps you to stay warm because your body digests that protein through the night and it increases your body temp ever so slightly. Therefore, eating a little bit of protein like a, a little strip of jerky or something right before you go to bed is a really good way to help you stay warm. Next is water. Obviously, you don't want to start any trip that you go into the outdoors or any trip where you're going to be far away from your normal supplies without having yourself hydrated. It's one of the simplest things you can do. Just drink water every day so that you stay hydrated. That way, if you ever find yourself in a bad situation, you have hydration in your body. I think it's pretty simple. But with that said, I'm a big fan of either carrying a metal water bottle because you can boil water in a metal water bottle. Just don't boil water in one of the insulated water bottles because that'll explode like a grenade. So either carry that metal water bottle or if you're going to carry a plastic like a Nalgene water bottle, have it nested in a cup so that it fits nicely and snugly into your kit. And at the same time, you do have something that you can boil water in because boil water, boiling water is one of the essential skills that you need to be able to do to help thwart protozoan and, and bacterial contamination, not necessarily viral, but protozoan and most bacterial contaminants. After that, I'm just quite frankly, just forget the rest and just get a Sawyer Mini. Sawyer Mini is a fantastic piece of equipment, costs about 19, 20 bucks. It's a must for backcountry trips. Wherever water is available, you can utilize it. Backcountry trips in this country, United States of America, very rarely are we going to run into viral contamination of our water sources. That's very unlikely. So something like a Sawyer Mini is going to be able to take most situations and take care of it for us. Last on this list, number 10, is what I would call signaling gear. This is equipment that will help you bring attention to yourself if you ever have need. Case in point, wear bright clothing when and where you can, and that is especially true for your children. Anytime you're going to have small children that go out with you, it's my recommendation that you put them in bright colored clothing. 
That way they're easy to see, easy to spot no matter what's going on. You can let them play in the woods. You can let them play in an area that's close to you. And that way, hey, I can pick them out real quick. And if you're the type that goes in the woods at any time where you might be wearing camouflage, which I am one of those people on a regular basis, then have some sort of bright colored clothing, either as an undergarment or a bandana or something of that nature. That way, hey, let's say you fall, you break your leg or something of that nature. You put a bandana from your back pocket around your head or your arm or some variation of it, then it's going to be something that's going to stand out. There's one tragic story that I share in my first book where these two duck hunters capsized and got to an island, a small island off of a, a lake. They didn't find the body of one of the guys for almost a week simply because he had camouflage on and he had crawled underneath of a bush to try to get out of the elements. He, he was soaking wet. Both of these guys died of hypothermia. And one of the problems was that the guy that they didn't find for so long was completely covered in camouflage and they just couldn't see his body. So think about that from a search and rescue perspective. If you're out there with a broken leg, you don't want to look like everything that's in the surroundings. Sure, for hunting, but you want to look a little bit different to try to make yourself more visible. You never know when you might pass out, for example, and you might not be able to hear them and yell back. So having something that is multicolored, very bright, particularly bright orange or fluorescent yellow. These are colors that bring attention to the eye, the human eye. And so those are really good things that you need to have. Also, children, in my opinion, adults should have too, I do, have a whistle. But I think it's an absolute necessity for children if they're going to venture into the outdoors. And the reason I say that is because there's just no better way for you to yell for others or bring attention with your voice than to blow a whistle. The sound goes farther, it's louder, and it's different than everything else out there. Therefore, when you blow a whistle, it brings the attention of other people around you to that particular focal point. Some of you might be thinking, well, if my kid had a whistle on him, they'd be blowing all the time and playing with it. Well, that's your problem as an adult. You need to fix that. I don't know what your solution to fixing that is, but you need to fix that. Your kids need to know that that is a whistle that is only used in emergencies, and you should actually practice with it because kids are going to be inquisitive and they want to know what it sounds like. So practice with it a few times ago. Okay, you go over there and blow the whistle so I can see what it sounds like and they can hear what it sounds like and they get to blow their whistle a little bit. And then when they're off on their own, when I say off, they're on their own. They're not really far, right? Because you're watching your kids. But let's say that something happens and they need to whistle for you and bring attention to their position. Then they have it with them rather than not. And that way they have that valuable piece of equipment. So that's it. This is a very expansive topic. Obviously, my second book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear, covers a whole lot more than just this 10. But if we break, and this is why this is down into this course called Vital Survival is I wanted to put a course together that has just the bare bones vital, I've got to have some information, Craig, give it to me now, information in it. And that's what that course does. So check it out on Outdoor Core. It's Vital Survival. We've sewed a boatload of those courses and people have loved it. Just absolutely loved it. It's been fantastic. So with that said, we hope you check it out. Look in the link or look for the link in the description below. From here on forward, I hope you really enjoyed the sound. We've been working really hard to get this fixed and corrected so that we can continue to offer you great information here on the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. We hope you like these podcasts. And if you do, you can help us out by hitting that follow, subscribe, or like button on whatever platform you're listening on. 
Share this with your family and friends that might enjoy these topics. And if you feel comfortable, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to send us some feedback. Thanks again for listening. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blind School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.